Okay, so it's really good to see everybody. Um, we're going to continue in our study of the life of Jesus through a harmony of the Gospels. And for those of y'all who were here last week, y'all remember we were talking about how Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Y'all remember we talked about that last week? So we're going to continue to focus on that this week. Um, let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll have a little discussion and read the verses we're going to talk about today. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day and for the many blessings that you pour in our lives. Uh, Lord, I ask you to please uh, forgive me uh, for overlooking all of the wonderful things that you do for me. You give me a good family. Uh, you give me good friends. You give me a good job. You uh, keep me healthy. You are, really are a good shepherd. And uh, as a sheep, I tend to go astray. So please forgive me for that. Uh, we do thank you for this time that you've given us together to get into your word and to know you better. And we pray that you will help us to just do that today, to know you, to, to trust you, to grow in a knowledge of who you are, uh, to grow in our knowledge of what you've done for us, and to help us to learn to love and appreciate that, uh, to live in your truth and to share that truth with others uh, in the ways that you see fit to give us opportunity to do. So be with us now, Holy Spirit, in this time of study. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so the Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. What does that mean? We all like sheep have gone astray. We all sin. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That's in the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. So there's not. It, um, so what that means is we all have fallen short of God's expectation for us. Um, we have all fallen short of God's command for us to be holy as he is holy. And we go astray. What does it mean to go astray? We sin. We do sin. But what is it? Wander it, off. To wander off. That's exactly right. And and so, give me some examples of ways that we go astray from God. Try to handle all our situations on our own power, thinking we can do it. All right. To do to, to try to do things in our own strength. That's one way that we can go astray. What's another way we go astray? We do. Stop reading. Okay, stop reading our Bibles. Um, just do do what we feel we want to do. Chase our feelings. Yep, that's very much so. Yeah, to go after missing what we Bible feel. Study. Missing Bible studies. Missing church, right? Failure to gather with the rest of your family, your eternal family. Uh, that's very important. I'm afraid that couldn't happen for me. They'd all be at the doorstep. Yeah, so... Uh, just not obeying him and not trusting him right. and not, not following him, right? We we talked about that last week. We're going to talk about it some more today. Because when you try to do stuff on your own power, I get stressed out, stressed out. Yeah. And what's funny is, is the the further we go astray, the harder it is for us to to trust him. Like we can, it, it's easier to keep going further away instead of coming back. Like the more we get lost, the more we get into our own feelings, the more that we get lean on our own understanding, if you will, the easier it becomes to do that. And then it's like uh, digging a hole and throwing the dirt right on top of your head, right? Just burying yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we talked last time to get that Jesus told us that he is the good shepherd and his sheep hear his voice and his sheep follow him. Uh, and so have you ever noticed that when you were a kid, have you ever noticed that when you were doing something bad, when you were doing something wrong, you didn't want to be around the people that loved you? That happened in our addiction. It took us away from our family because we had to hide it from them. Good. So when we're doing something, what you'll notice is, is that when we're doing wrong, 
the last thing that we want around us is authority that will hold us accountable for what we're doing. That's the truth. When I'm riding down the road, if I'm doing the speed limit, I don't even think about the policeman, right? Mm-hmm. Until the blue light starts shining. <laughs> right, until the blue right. Now today, this morning, but I had to leave the house 30 minutes earlier before I came to Bible study today because I had to go pay my birthday tax. Y'all know what the birthday tax is? Yeah. That's where you buy your tag for your car. Oh, yeah. yeah, they tax you on your birthday, right? Well, my when was my birthday? It was Sunday. All right. Well, I went today to the local Kroger and paid for my tag. You know, I went and they have one of them little machines there. Right, I should have done a Friday, shouldn't I? (laughs) So the whole day, the whole morning this morning, and as I left my house, as I was going towards the Kroger to go get my tag, what was I thinking about? Well, they're going to stop me. I hope they're going to stop me. Yeah, my tag's out and I'll have to pay a fine, you see? Now, what? last Friday, I wasn't worried at all about my tag weather. No. No. Why? Because I wasn't breaking the law, you see? I was legal. But as soon as we become illegal, then we start worrying about authority. I have a question, Ronnie. Yes. You know, following Christ and, and trusting Him. But when we do make a mistake, and we know it was a mistake, and then I try to correct it so that I can just feel more comfortable in, in the sight of God. And I know He forgives it, but sometimes I can't correct it. But it it weighs on me, and how how should I handle that situation? Well, <clears throat> first of all, one of the things that we should always do is, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, these mistakes are not mistakes, but willful choices that we make. Right, exactly. Like, don't call and them don't a mistake. Call them a bad decision. It is a bad decision. So Instead of a mistake. So, so uh, I stress over it until. Maybe I, but then, and I'm trying to fix it under my own power. Right. So we first, the first thing to do is to admit that we're wrong. Admit that we're in violation of uh, the trust and love of our family, yeah. friends, or uh, our trust and love of God, uh, our trust and love for God's truth, and to turn away from it. That's the word repent means to realize that we've done wrong and to turn back to Him. And the moment we turn back to Him, what do we find? We find forgiveness. So, so it's an act of God's grace for me to even feel guilty about what I've done wrong. It's, so you hopefully won't do it again. Well, we... But shouldn't we fix it if we can? Huh? Shouldn't we fix sure. it? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Even in the Bible, it tell, Jesus talks about the thief that steals is to return fourfold. The, the scriptures teach us that they, you return fourfold what you take. Take right, so it's a recognition I've done wrong and a willingness to make amends for what I've done wrong. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But generally, our wrongs come from us doing it our way, and so repentance is a recognition that my way is the wrong way, and to turn back to God's way, to turn back to His truth, to turn back to Him. And the moment we turn back, we find His forgiveness. So we need to realize that it's not only His grace that allows us to see we're doing wrong. His Holy Spirit working in our conscience to allow us to recognize we're wrong. That's a gift of God for us to recognize we're doing wrong. The, the guilt we feel about it, the, the sorrow that we have towards it is a gift from God. And then we take that and we turn away from it and turn back to God. And then we find another gift from Him, which is what? His forgiveness and His love and His restoration. And so uh, we should always 
uh, recognize our wrongs, then we should always turn away from them. That word is repent. It means to turn away from what I've done wrong. And it's hard to do that sometimes. It, it really is. But the one thing that you'll find about the good shepherd is that his sheep always want to hear his voice. Now, my dog loves my voice. When I come in the house and say, hey, she, her tail started, well, she don't have a tail, but her whole back end starts shaking, and she jumps up and down, and she's happy to see her daddy. Well, if I come in and catch her in the toilet, drinking out of the toilet, which she will do if you leave the lid over, and I say, Kayla, and I call her by name, her head sinks down low, and she creeps out of the bathroom. Now, does that mean that she doesn't love her daddy anymore? No, it just means that she knows that she's wrong. So, one of the things that we need to be able to do, if we are his sheep, is to even receive his correcting voice. To receive his... So, you, we should be thankful for that. Sure. It's, it's, a, it's an act of his love that he allows us to know we're doing wrong so that we will turn away from it and turn back to him. And the moment we turn back, then we find that voice of forgiveness, that voice of comfort, and that voice of peace. And then your heart can rejoice. Sure. So, we, we need to understand that that's a part of the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And the shepherd will never let his sheep go. And, but. Uh, the shepherd, uh, will the shepherd, does the shepherd ever allow us to stray? Yeah. Yeah, he certainly does. And what is the point of that? Why would God allow me to fall? So you know that uh, you should have listened, taken heed of the warnings, the signs, because you try to do your thing your way. And how did that work out? Okay, good. So it, the shepherd at times allows us to stray. Why? Because he wants us to not lean on our own understanding. He wants us to stop trusting in our desires and our way and to trust his desires for us and his way. Right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so by following the shepherd's voice, by following the shepherd, we walk in the way of peace and love and joy and patience and goodness and kindness. When we turn away from him and we go astray, we find the anger, the wrath, the envy, the strife, the jealousy, the heresy, the sedition, the drunkenness, and the carousing. And so, yes, he will, the good shepherd will allow stray. But as we said last week in our lesson, the good shepherd has never lost one sheep. Like his sheep are not eternally lost. The good shepherd never loses a sheep. Not one of his sheep uh, can be lost. So that's comforting to us. We mess up, sure. but he's not going to lose us. He's going to give yeah. us the opportunity to make it better and repent. Oh, can I ask you a question? Because I know some people, this is their, as far as I'm concerned, stinking thinking. They think that they can keep doing crazy stuff and there's a I just be be forgiven for by God anyway. I I I literally have had people say that. So I'm trying to. <laughs> I understand that God forgives us, but that thinking it makes me wonder about them. Are they? They're are deceived. They, yeah. They're, it, it, what is the they're they're deceived. Uh, they and not only that. The Bible teaches us that when we are in rebellion to God, that we willfully suppress the truth. On purpose, we push down what we know is right. 
Mm-hmm. We willfully push it away from us and say, get away from that with me. I don't want to hear it. And so a lot of people are following their own <laughs> desires and their own passions, and they simply don't want to hear the shepherd's voice. Mm-hmm. And so what does the Bible teach us? It says, there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is what? Destruction. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a way that seems right to us that actually leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. Like we convince ourselves that this is good. <laughs> How many people have you seen in dysfunctional relationships with somebody and they literally think that this is the best thing that's ever happened to them in the world and it's destroying them. It's eating them alive and they can't see it. Right? Well, that's exactly the same as our relationship with sin. Sin is appealing. There's pleasure in sin for a season is what the Bible actually teaches. Like, there's actually fun in it. Well, there is when you start using dope. Sure. In, in anything. And then it becomes not fun and imprisoned. Right. So the devil always comes to us as an angel of light. Like, he don't come to you looking like death. He comes to you looking like life. But in sin, it's always destructive. In sin, there's always that path of destruction. And when, once we're on that path, we don't want to be reminded that we're on that path. Sometimes we can't get off it without, sure. without the Lord stepping yep. in. That's it. Well, He has to step in, or we he won't. He has to. Mm-hmm. So let's look. <clears throat> let's look. Today we're going to take the second half of the passage that we studied last week, where Jesus told He's the Good Shepherd, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 21 of John chapter 10. This is what it says The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm sorry, what verse? John chapter 10, verse 10. Oh, okay. Now verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not the shepherd, who is not the (coughs) owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for my sheep. For the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This commandment I received from my father. A division occurred among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? So let's go back through now and look at this. So if you were to sum up what is the subject of the passage we just read? If you had to sum it up in some words, what were we just talking about? Who was the main subject in the passage? Jesus. Jesus. And what did he refer to himself as? The good shepherd. The good shepherd. All right. So he's the main subject. And what is the secondary subject? 
His sheep. All right, so as we read this whole passage, as we go through these line by line and think about them, we need to understand that this whole thing is focused on the shepherd and his sheep. It's not focused on the shepherd and the goats. He laid down his life for us, and yet we keep sinning. We don't want to, but we do. It's tragic. So, if you look in verse 11, and you look in verse 14... You will see, he says, I am the good shepherd. See that in verse 11? Mm-hmm. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Verse 15, 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. All right? So, number one, he says he lays his life down for his sheep. And number two, he says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. All right? So, where is this idea of the good shepherd coming from? Well, we talked last week together and we, we said that Jesus was using terms and figures of speech that would have been common to the people. They, they There was an agrarian society. They grew crops. They all took care. Most people had sheep on their farm because they used them for milk and wool and for food. And so this would have been something. And there were shepherds all over. Like that was one of the livelihoods of their uh, civilization and they would have all understood this sheep to shepherd or shepherd to sheep relationship all right. now <clears throat> another thing that we need to remember is is that Jesus is a fulfillment of all of the promises of the Old Testament all right. now yeah. who was Jesus's great 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 granddaddy who was a king in Israel David David, David all right and David wrote the majority of one of the books of the Bible. The Psalms. The Psalms, alright? So, Jesus is a fulfillment of the the promises in the book of Psalms. And so what we're going to do now, we're going to turn back and we're going to look at Psalm 23, because Psalm 23 is about the shepherd. Okay? Mm-hmm. So David wrote this. Jesus, as a little boy in Jerusalem, would have grown up going to the synagogue, going to the temple, and singing that song. Laura, you go to First Pres downtown. Y'all sing out of the Psalter. What is the Psalter? It's the Book of Psalms, and they put it to music, and you sing it. Well, right, the Presbyterians are not the originators of this idea. This has been going on since the Jews had it, because the Book of Psalms is a book of songs. That's what they're intended for. In the same way that you and I hear the words and the tune of Amazing Grace and we perk up because there's something we recognize and can identify with, in the same way the Jewish people would have heard, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me... And that, that would immediately have been, Oh, that's Psalm 23. Well, they didn't have numbers back then, but they would have known what psalm that was. And they would have, they would have been so happy because that would have been something they identified with. Well, think about the fact that Jesus grew up as a little child singing this song. About him. About and then one day he stands in front of a bunch of people that hate him and want to crucify him and basically says, "Hey, I'm the one you've been singing about these 800 years. Like, I that's me. I'm the good shepherd, and that's exactly what he's claiming right here. And they knew what he was talking about. He says, "I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me, me and I know them." So that I am automatically points him back to the voice in the bush with Moses. What did Mo, What did God tell Moses his name was? I am what I am. I am that I am. 
You that. tell Pharaoh I am that I am. All right? And so you, when you and I hear this in John 10, and we hear him say, I am, immediately we can think, this is the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I am the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. All right? And in the Old Testament in Psalm 23, how does it start? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right. So it starts off by saying Yahweh, Jehovah. The promise-keeping, covenant-keeping creator of the world is my shepherd. And now here in John 10, who's saying he's the good shepherd? Jesus. Jesus. So there's actually a claim to deity here. So anytime that you're talking to any of your Jehovah Witness friends, or maybe a Muslim friend, or maybe a Mormon friend, or anyone who does not believe in the Trinity, and does not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, they say there's nowhere in the Bible where Jesus claims to be God. And the reality is it's all over the Bible, right? It is. And a matter of fact, there's one time where Jesus says, I am. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And then the Jews picked up rocks and were trying to kill him. Now, why did they do that? Because he's claiming to be God. Because they knew exactly what he was Isn't saying. Isn't he saying, I am the one? He's saying, I am the one. <clears throat> and I, I, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's, that's what I'm thinking there's, there's In the book of John, there's um, seven I am statements. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world, right? I am the bread of life. There, there's seven of those statements in the book of John. You can go find them for yourself. We've actually talked about them in the past in this class. But all of those are claims to the fact that he is Yahweh, that he is God. All right, so let's look at that Psalms 23 passage and kind of see what what would be going through the mind of these Jews as Jesus was claiming to be the good shepherd. Well, what are the promises of the good shepherd? What What is the promise of the good shepherd? Alright, so what does that mean? What does it mean to have my store resu- soul restored? Your store resold? Yeah, my store resold. Alright, so let's start at the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, Lori. Um, the part where it says your rod and your staff. We'll talk about it. We're going to go all the way through it. Like we're going line by line. We'll get there. All right. So first of all, when you see that word, the Lord, you'll notice in most of the translations, it's got it all capital letters. Does ESV have it in all capital letters? Yeah, it's all capital yeah. letters. Yeah. All right. So anytime that you read in the Old Testament and it's the word L-O-R-D and it's in all capital letters, that's talking about Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God of the universe. Now, remember, Sarah called Abraham her Lord, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but when Sarah calls Abraham Lord, it's spelled capital L, little O, little R, little D. Mm-hmm. You see how that capital works? Capital L? Yeah. All right, you see how that works? It's It's a term of endearment. It's a term of... The fact that he takes care of her, that he is her provider. He takes care right. of everything. Right. right. And so... Like a, a landlord. Right. A landlord, etc. Those are, those are all, if you will, little letter L's. Mm-hmm. 
But when we use L-O-R-D in all capital letters, that is translated from the Hebrew, from the Hebrew term for God, for Yahweh, the Jehovah Covenant, keeping promise, keeping creator of the universe. So right away, we know we're talking about God is my shepherd. All right? So if he is my shepherd, that makes me his sheep. sheep. Now, does that make me his goat? No. no. Does that make no. me his wolf? No. All right. So, does the shepherd have the same relationship with his sheep that he has with a wolf or a goat or an ostrich or a bear? No. No. There's a very intimate relationship between the sheep, the sheep and the shepherd. Good. All right. So, if the Lord is my shepherd, I st- now watch what happens. The Lord is my shepherd, and now all of these other verses are going to be the benefits of God being my shepherd and me being a sheep. You see how that works? All the rest of this is going to be the benefits of being a sheep. Number one, I shall not want. Right? Well, what is it? What is the difference in a want and a need? What's the difference in the two? A want is something that you really don't need. Okay. A want is something you desire. Mm-hmm. A need is something that you have to have. Right? Well, the reality is, is that the Bible teaches us, God, Jesus says, I will provide all of your needs. Right, good. Paul says, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus in heaven. All right? So what does that mean? It means that God will give me everything that I need. The Bible never says God will give you everything that you want. Right? But the truth of the matter is, if we have everything that we need, we won't want anything. Right, we become content and need nothing Good. more. But he, my devotional this morning also talked about uh, making us comfortable and the smaller gifts, you know, not to, not to overlook those. He, out of his great love sure. of providing everything we need, we also get comfort and contentment. All right, so why will I not want? Because he will provide everything that I need. Our problem and all of our bad decisions and all of our willful rebellion towards God comes when we chase after things that we want that we don't need. Like a floating dog. Right. So (laughs) the drug addict wants drugs. He needs money. The alcoholic wants to be drunk. He needs to go to work. You see how, probably can't go to work because he's drunk. You, all the time. Don't pay for you see how that works? Yeah. 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 I need love, right? and that's true. We we do need to be loved. I want a relationship with her or him. I want her out of that. You see? You see how that works? And so what happens is we start chasing after these desires instead of these needs. It's awful. And if we could learn to trust God and just allow Him to supply the things that we need, we wouldn't want anything. Our problem is, is we're not content with what we need. We chase after what we want. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So that could be the fact that, number one, it's a command from God for me not to chase after desires and things that I want that I don't need. So the sheep is saying, I will not want because number one, he's going to provide everything for me that I need. And number two, I shouldn't be wanting those things anyhow. He leads me down. He lays me down. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. Now, to make someone do something means what? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So why why if you're a sheep, why is it good to be? If you're a sheep, why is it good to be in a green pasture? 
them great. Touch the spit. Everything you want. It's a peaceful place for resting and eating. Good. And if you know anything about sheep, sheep um uh, are just, uh, they have several stomachs, and one of the things they do is they go around like a vacuum cleaner, walking around, and they eat up a bunch of grass, and then they go sit down somewhere, and then they burp it back up, and they chew it again, and then they swallow it. They're called ruminants. Cows do it. Deer yeah. do it. They're, they're four-stomached animals. I know deer did. I yep. know cows did. Oh, wow. And goats. And so these animals walk around, and they like a vacuum cleaner they just fill up that first stomach they get it really big and full with a whole bunch of grass in it and then they go sit down somewhere lay down somewhere and if you've ever seen a cow sitting on and the and their jaws moving sideways it's called ruminating it means that they're burping up that food and and chewing it better and so a sheep that is laying down is a sheep that is full number one and a sheep that is laying down is also just like you said one that is at peace when they know the good shepherd's got their back, they don't have to be nervous. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. Now, what's my desire to constantly run off and eat stuff that's bad for me? Right? What's my desire to constantly be nervous and fretting about everything? But what does the good shepherd do? He forces me to lay down. Right? Uh, <clears throat> have you Have you ever noticed... Um, I'm very bad about this. Uh, I'm very controlling, and I I like to work, and I don't like to miss work. And I it drives me crazy when people call out sick. I don't ever call out sick. I always work extra hours, and I work really hard all the time. But there is also a part of me that needs rest. And when I get home at night, instead of going and taking a good hot shower and resting and relaxing, I immediately get into my studies and I study till 11 o'clock and then go to sleep and get back up and do it again. You see? And what can happen is if you don't get proper rest, if you don't take care of yourself, if you constantly striving after everything that you want and not trusting God to provide for you things, um, what can happen to our bodies if we constantly go and don't let it rest? It'll shut down. Yeah, it'll shut down. Fresh. So sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes sickness is God's way of saying, hey, slow down. Mm-hmm. You're trying to do too much. You see? So he makes me to lay down in the green pastures. He restores my soul. Lord brought that up, right? He restores my soul. Now, what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Marvel not that I say to you, unless you are what? You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What did he say to Nicodemus? Barely, barely, I say to you, unless you are blank, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Like a child? No. Uh, no. He said, Barely, barely, I say to you, unless you are born again, again okay. you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does it mean to be born again? It means to have a new regenerated soul and spirit, doesn't it? It means to be have a, given a new life. So when we restore things, we fix it up and make it like it's brand new again. And so what does God do? Through His Holy Spirit, He regenerates us. He gives us eternal life. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Now, when you think about His name, His name is His promise. Jesus, what does the name Jesus mean? Savior, right? Jesus. Joshua means Savior. So his name is his promise. What does he promise to do? He promises to save us. Remember when someone gives you their name, they're giving you their promise. When you ladies get married, you take your husband's name, right? Right. You didn't? All right. Well, when you had a baby, when you had a child, that child got your last 
name, right? And I mean, I, I, I suppose I could take the marriage license and go put it on my driver's license, but I never did. Well, but y'all, y'all are divorced, though, right? No. Oh, no, you're, you I'm married again. My, yeah, I am yeah. married. So, but you got married again. You took your second husband's. No, you didn't. You didn't no, take a second. Okay. All right. Okay, why do you got your father's name? He gave it to you, you, right? And so that's the way we need to be thinking when it talks about uh, the name of God. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, if you've ever seen a cow get branded, right, what do they do? They put that hot iron in the thing and they they brand the side of their skin. Why do they do that? Why do they brand the cows? Let you know the owner is. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so when we are born again, we are given a new name in Christ. Remember Abram? His name got changed to Abraham. Jacob's name got changed to Israel. Paul to Saul. Saul to Paul, right? Uh, And we need to remember that. We, We need to remember that when we are born again, we are given a new name in Christ. We are belong to who? God. We are His. We are His children now. So that means that we have his name. That means that we have his promise. Right? Yeah. When we're born again, when we become a child of God, we get his name. So um, you think about the marriage relationship. Think about in the Bible how it teaches that Jesus is the the bridegroom and the church is the bride. So when you become a member of the church, now I'm not talking about a member of your local First Baptist Church or First Presbyterian Church. I'm talking about a member of the body of Christ. When you become a member of the church, how do we become a member of the body of Christ? We just talked about it. By giving him our heart? No. Being born again? Yes. He gives us a heart, Lori. There's a big difference in me giving him my heart and him giving me a new heart. He fixes us. He restores our soul. He regenerates me. Now I am his. And so he gives me the Holy Spirit as a seal. All right. Well, what you can think of is think of a husband. He claims a, a bride for himself, right? He marries her. He says, I do. She says, I do. They become one. The two become one. And he puts a ring on her finger. What does that represent? This, she belongs to me. And he puts a ring on his finger. I belong to her. There's a, a union there that's not supposed to be broken. Well, the reality is when this says, he got me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It means that I belong to him, that he has a claim to me, that I'm his child, that I'm his bride. And if I'm his, then what is the path that I'm going to walk on? The path of righteousness. And he will make sure that I stay on that path. Now, do children get astray from their parents? Yes. Yes. Do brides get astray from their husbands? Yes. Do sheep get astray from their sheep? Yes. Yes. But the good shepherd will never lose us. We may go astray, but he will come and claim us. He, the Part of the promise is, is that he is going to make sure that I walk on that path. For his name's sake. Good. Then it goes to, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So God is always with me in all circumstances. And remember, the, a shadow is not something that we have to be afraid of. It's whatever's making the shadow that we should be afraid of. You watch the scary movies at Halloween time and the little kids in the bed and all of a sudden on the wall there's this creepy thing with long fingernails coming down the wall and the kid puts her head under the covers. Why? Because that shadow is not anything to be afraid of. That shadow can't hurt you. But whatever's casting that shadow can. All right? So the shadow of death. Remember what Jesus told to Mary. Mary. He said, if you believe in me, you will never die. 
right? And so the reality is, is that as Christ hung on the cross, he bore the pain and the suffering of the death that we deserve so that we wouldn't have to. So now when death comes to us, it's only a shadow. Why? Because the good shepherd stands between us and that death. Okay? So the Lord is my shepherd. Um, he, even though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. So God is omnipresent. Um, he dwells within me through his Holy Spirit, and he is everywhere at all times. So he's always in me mm-hmm. and always around me. Mm-hmm. Why do I need to be afraid? All right. So your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now that passage right there, what, what is a shepherd's rod? The shepherd's stick. Yeah, it's a stick that he uses to crack sheep in the head when they get out of line. Pull them back. Oh, that, that, that staff, he reaches out with that hook and pulls them yeah. back in. He also uses that to defend the sheep when a wolf attacks too, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So that rod, that staff is not only a rod of correction, but it's a rod of protection. protection right? And that was my point, right. protection. Part. Sure. So when we think of his rod, we're talking about his discipline. Yes. And what this says is, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, any of you that have ever had the back of your legs wore out by a belt know that getting a whipping is well, not so comforting. We learned a valuable lesson that saved us later in life. Yeah. But that, that, them whelps on the leg is not comforting, is no. it? Right? But the parent that disciplines their child loves them. Loves them. It is cruel. Not, not to discipline kids. Now listen, guys. I work in a uh, in a grocery store, and I can tell you that the mass majority of kids are not disciplined. Hello. They flat bad. Hello. Right. They always pulling candy off the shelf and eating it. They always screaming and hollering and running down the aisle, running away from their parents. But the reality is, is that we. What does the Bible say? Who the Lord loves, He corrects. He chastens. The Bible says that there is a, a way, uh, or it says. Uh, there's foolishness bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Right? So a kid's got a heart full of foolishness, but the rod of correction will drive the fool out of the kid. So what does the Bible tell us? It tells us to beat the fool out of our kids. Right? <laughs> <laughs> not to abuse them. That's not what it means to beat the fool out of them. I used to get spanked, not a lot, because my dad, my mom was really to discipline. If we yes. were with dad, it was bad. But that's, that made me who I am, able to listen to the Lord when he corrected Sure. So when we say that his rod and his staff comfort me, who is it that's saying that? His rod and his staff comfort me. The sheep. The sheep. So what that means is, is the discipline yeah. and protection of the shepherd is are both expressions of me, his love. Correct me. His love and the fact that I know that he loves me, whether it be through discipline or through protection, is a comfort to me. And as we grow in our knowledge of him and as we grow in our maturity as his sheep and his children, we learn to appreciate that correction and we protection more and more. We absolutely know that he is our Lord and Good. That we are going to have Good. a it's like fruit to us. All right. So then it says that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So think about all those sheep out in that field eating all that grass. And where are the wolves and the lions and the tigers and the bears? Oh my. Wait. They're all out in the woods Wait. looking out into that field watching those sheep. Those sheep. Getting fat and they can't have none. Right. Now what do they want to do? They want to eat the sheep. Yeah. But instead of them eating the sheep, the sheep are eating. Right. 
You see? So the good shepherd has laid out a table for his sheep in the very presence of his, their enemies. Yeah, I like what my, my study Bible says right here. It says, um, so, uh, to the faithful person as God's guest at a meal, prepare a table. The enemies are powerless to prevent, to prevent the enjoyment of God's generous hospitality. Yep. There you go. Oh, that is great. So God provides for us. And it's in the presence of the very people that want to see us destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're powerless because they can't do nothing. Okay. Now, uh, you have anointed my head with oil. Now, when we think of being our head anointed with oil, um, sheep get all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. They get these flies that get up in their nose and go up, and they lay eggs in their nose. And then the, the larvae from the eggs goes up in their brain and will kill them. Uh, and uh, they get all kind of the sickness and diseases. And so one of the things that shepherds do is they pour oil over the sheep's head, coat, coat their ears and their nose to keep those flies and stuff yeah. away. Not only that, but there are certain oils for when they get cut and get gashes in their skin. That, so this oil is, uh, is uh, medication. It's um, preventative to keep them from getting sick. And it's also uh, therapeutic when they are sick, right? So this oil is is a gift from him. Um, in the Bible, what do you think the oil represents? What a lot of times, what does the oil represent? Oh, the Bible. A lot of things. Well, so when 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 uh, when they would anoint the king, they would pour oil over his head, yep. right, as a sign that he is the king. Um, when they would pour oil over the priest's head. Uh, to initiate him into the priesthood, it was a symbol of being marked out and separated and being different than everybody else, right? And also that oil is representative, uh, all through the Bible, water and oil are both symbols of the Holy Spirit, right? So he anoints my head with oil. He he claims me for himself. He pours his oil, his healing, his soothing balm over me. A symbol of the Holy Spirit being given to me as a gift. He uh, uh, anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. What does it mean to say my cup overflows? If your cup overflows, what happens? Got too much water. Got too much in it. Right. So an overflowing cup is representation of His bountiful supply for your wants. No, your needs. Right. He bountifully supplies for my needs, so my cup overflows. I've got more than I could ever ask for. Okay. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's do the last line first. How long is forever? Forever. So how long will the sheep stay in the house? Forever. Will they ever become a goat? No. No. Will they ever get permanently lost? No. How long are they going to be his sheep? Forever. Because it's not their ability to be a sheep, but his ability to be a shepherd that keeps them. Right? right? That's very important for us to remember. You don't need a whole <clears throat> lot of ability to be a sheep. And then, no, you just have to be a sheep. Right? But think about this. Uh, surely goodness and mercy or goodness and love and kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Now, think about your life. Think about when you, were follow- when you are following the Good Shepherd, as I pray that everyone here is. Right? What is following me? Goodness and mercy. Good things and forgiveness, right? So if I had, so so think about at times in my life when I wasn't following the shepherd, when I was a sheep gone astray. Well, what was following me then? 
hardship and heartache. Yeah. Pain and suffering and hardship. Fear that the wolf's going to get me. Right? Constantly worrying about my past. Constantly worrying about the and, things that I've done. Feeling time away from your family. Yeah. Because that, right. we couldn't be around our family. Good. Because when we're not walking with the good shepherd, we got to constantly look over our back. We're dark. We run from the light. Yep. We're constantly looking over our back because the wolf could come or the disease could come or no food or no water. There's all kinds of things that I have to constantly be looking over my back and worrying about. But when I'm following the good shepherd, the only thing behind me is goodness and mercy. Well, what is mercy? His forgiveness, right? So if the only thing behind me is good stuff and forgiveness, Mm -hmm. then I can focus on today and tomorrow. I don't have to constantly be looking over my back and worrying about yesterday. You see, I can keep my eyes on Christ. I can keep my eyes on the shepherd, and I don't have to constantly be worrying about my past anymore. Now, is that easy to do? No. No. Because as soon as we take our eyes off the shepherd, we're reminded of all the stuff that's not there for us. But as long as we're following the good shepherd, we have these promises. So now let's go back to John 10, because that is the context of what Jesus is teaching. I mean, Jesus is directly referring to this. He's directly referring uh, to the Good Shepherd Psalm. He's referring to... And remember, we talked about it last week. All through the Old Testament, there's all kinds of pictures of shepherds and sheep, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, almost everybody in the Old Testament was a shepherd, right? They all Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. They were, they were all shepherds. Abel was a shepherd, right? We see them all through the, the, the Old Testament. And there's also pictures in the Old Testament of wicked shepherds that abused the sheep and beat the sheep and fleeced the sheep. Remember, we talked about that last week. And how God promised that He was no longer going to put up with all those evil shepherds, that He was going to hit, send His shepherd, and His shepherd would take care of the sheep. And so Jesus is basically, He's claiming right here that that is the promise that He is fulfilling. One last thing, and then we'll wrap up for today. Um, I, I do want you to see, we'll see two things. Um, one, the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. All right? When it comes to Jesus dying on the, scro- the cross, I want you to think about two things. The scope and the efficacy. Now, that word efficacy is a, is a very fancy word. But according to this passage, as the shepherd lays his life down for the sheep, who is he dying for? His sheep. The sheep. Is he dying for the goats? No. No. Is he dying for the wolf? No. No. Is he dying for the false shepherds? No. No. All he is laying his life down for is who? The sheep. His sheep. Right? So the scope or the scope. What's in view? The scope of his death on the cross is a death that is paid out, a blood that is poured out for his sheep. Okay? Now, when it comes to the efficacy, who is that death efficient for? In other words, who is that death going to work on? Only his sheep. sheep. All of his sheep. sheep. That's very important. So what that means is, Jesus died for his sheep, and there's not one single sheep that he died for that is not going to be saved. Because... If one of his sheep falls through the cracks and goes to hell, 
then he's, as the good shepherd, is no longer keeping his promise. Are you with me? Yeah. So, so a person can repent right up until like one minute before they die. Is that it? Is that what you mean? I don't know. That's a stupid. Okay. Scene. What scenario? Remember, listen. All right, so that's that's a great way to ask that question because think about this: How many of his sheep are going to heaven? All of them. All of them. Okay. You said that means I can just wait till the last second, repent, and then I still go to. Oh no, not me. I'm talking about somebody. In, In general. Yeah. All right. So the reality is this: It's not my repentance that gets me to heaven. It's grace, God's grace and mercy. It's Jesus dying on that cross. The work that he did on that cross is what gets me to heaven. The work that he is doing right now as my high priest is what's getting me to heaven. He's mm-hmm. preparing us for heaven, right? isn't he, right now? He is the good shepherd. He is leading me on that path. Mm-hmm. Right. So, is there somebody that might be his sheep that lives their whole life and never trusts him? And then right before they die, they trust, they turn and believe him? There may be. It could be possible. But it's not likely. Because look what Jesus said. Let's look up at verse 4. When he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. So, what is one of the indications that you are his sheep? You hear his voice and you follow him. Mm -hmm. Right? So, those that are truly his are going to hear him and receive him and believe him. Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. That means that we can have eternal life, but not only eternal life, but have life within this world of death. If we truly are his sheep, we're going to want to follow him. Why? Because he's our shepherd. A person who lives their whole life in rebellion to God is in no way following his voice, are they? Who are they following the voice of? Look what it says. Verse 10. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Right? So, if we truly belong to him, we're going to follow him. If we truly are his sheep, we're going to hear his voice and come. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died to save who? All of his sheep. That is the scope of his death on the cross. His his blood was poured out to save all. All of his sheep. The efficacy of that death, burial and resurrection, the efficacy of his work, efficacy meaning the efficiency of it or the fact that it's going to work. How effective it is. How effective it is, is going to be for who? All of those sheep. He's not going to lose a single one. If you are his, if he died on the cross to save you, then he's going to save you. He's going to come and He's going to find you. Now, how does He come and find His sheep? Through His voice. What does Jesus' voice look like today? Is it a little voice that comes to you at night while you're laying in your bed and says, Hey, I'm the good shepherd, follow me? Oh. What does His voice look like today? 
His voice looks like a proclamation of the gospel. His voice looks like Bible studies. His voice looks like a preacher standing in a pulpit and proclaiming the good news. That's his voice. That's the way he gets his message out to his people. Can I ask you another thing? Is this? I don't want. Please do not tote me off the George Regional when I when I say this. There have been times in my life when I have met people or come into contact with people, and I'm like, something is off about this person. You, you understand what I'm saying? Is that? Do we as human beings have in, intuitions about people? Yeah. Of can, course. Can, can that be? I don't know if I'm saying it's right, the voice of God, or is that just... That's not the voice of God. That's intuition in you. Okay. It's your ability to grasp human uh, human beings. Like It's your ability to understand human nature okay. and a perception that you have about someone. So I'll put it this way. Have you ever had intuitions about somebody that were wrong? Deshaun. Huh? Have you ever had intuition about somebody that was wrong? Like met somebody and hated them and then found out they, they wound up being your best friend later on? Yeah, yeah. Before, I'm going to be honest with you. Before, when I was younger and kind of like a ditzy teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as a grown woman, it's okay. gotten better. So, but that's mature. So if it's God's voice, it's never going to be wrong. Okay. We don't need to take our intuition as God's voice because mm-hmm. it's not. The way that God speaks to us, to, to us today is through his word. Mm-hmm. And one of the clearest indications that you're his sheep is that you're going to want to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. So what will that look like? It'll look like you want to go to Bible study. It'll look like you want to pick up your Bible and read it. It will look like you want to go to church. right? Now, as his sheep, I have a desire to know him and to know his word. And to please him. Is there also a desire in me to want to know things of the world? Yes, because as a sheep, I like to get into the bad grass too, you see? <laughs> The like, like right now, I know that the, the Braves playoff game has started today. We, we started at 1 o'clock. There's a part of me that wants to know what the score is. You see? But what is more eternally, what is of an eternal importance? Me being here with you and breaking the bread of life. Like, this is what's important. Well, at the class, mm-hmm. you can just check your phone. Yeah, I'll go check my phone after we get out here and turn on red. But the point being is, as a human being, as, an, as a fallen human being, I can find it much easier to sit and watch a three-hour ball game than to study my Bible for three hours. Yes. You see how that works? Because we're fallen human beings. And as sheep, we are constantly going astray. But the good shepherd promises us to keep us and bring us back in. And so we have a good shepherd. If you are his sheep, if you have been born again, if you are a believer, these promises are yours. And remember, there was two groups of people there, Dan, and then we'll be done. I know we're one minute over. I'm sorry. Verse 20. Many of them were saying, this man's got a demon as he is insane. Why do you listen to him? Are those his sheep? No. No. Those are goats and wolves. You see? But others were saying, a demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? So there are some people in that group that are going, wait a minute. This guy just healed a blind man, and now he's giving us these promises. A, a demon doesn't heal people. This guy has just healed somebody. So there's certain people in that crowd that are actually starting to what? They are Hear his sheep. voice. So they are and sta- Well, we don't know, but it's their ears are perking up. How will we know if they truly are his sheep? They'll follow him. Ah, okay. okay. That's how we'll know. Okay, okay. How do we know if we're his sheep? We'll follow him. Oh, wait, wait, okay. Now, okay, now I'm a little bit, okay. They heard him. They heard this whole sermon. They, they, the whole they actually, before this message, they saw him heal a man that had been blind for 40 okay, years. Okay, and they heard mm-hmm. it. Okay, so 
Isn't it? They heard him, and they okay, and they followed him. So these people are not. They may or may not be his. We don't know. You just don't. Know? No. Okay. Now, who knows though? God. The good shepherd. He okay. knows who his sheep are. Okay. And then what do they say? And his sheep know him. So, if I'm his sheep, I know I'm going to heaven. Uh-huh. There ain't no question about it. Why? Because as his sheep, I'm not dependent on what I do anymore to get me to heaven. I'm dependent on the good shepherd to get me there. Mm-hmm. I'm right. just simply trusting in his promise. Has he ever broke his promise? No. No. So I know I'm going to heaven, not because I'm good, not because I'm his sheep, but because he's my shepherd. My trust is completely gone from me and my circumstances to him and who he is and what he promises. Amen? Amen. All right, let's close with a quick word of prayer. I'll see y'all guys next week. We'll finish this up and get into something else. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, uh, Jesus, to pour out his blood uh, for sinful uh, men and women like us. We thank you for your salvation, your love, your word, your truth, your goodness, your mercy, your peace. We thank you for the promises that we have in you. Help us to rest in those promises and help us to share those promises with, with those you place in our path. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.